Thanks for joining me, everyone. Charles Moskowitz. And uh, my guest is Matt Robinson. Matt is an author of a new book that's just out, Lions, Tigers, and Bulldogs. Talks about lore and stories of the great Ivy League colleges of the United States, which, of course, go all the way back to colonial times. And uh, Matt, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Charles. Honor to be here. So, Matt, uh, first of all, um, you're a uh, you're an English major, is that right? English major, pen, English teacher, and writer for the for quite some time. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about the writing process, how you got into this, and and how you actually put it together? Well, as, as far as being a writer, um, I mean, career-wise, I'd worked in radio in Boston for a while when I was in college, like internships. And when I graduated, I couldn't, uh, the stations I was at had just been sold to major corporations and all the people I knew got scattered to the winds. So I started just, uh, I was a paralegal actually, because my father and grandfather both been lawyers. And mm -hmm. I just started writing about music, going out to concerts at night, and I, it really caught on. Eventually, I was in the Globe, the Boston Globe. And then uh, I went on to Billboard magazine for a few years. And um, and then just due to uh, diversity of interest, I started writing about more than music. I now do uh, food on WBZ radio here in Boston. And I've done travel pieces. And I've also taught English. I've written about education for a while. Um, and the book ideas had always been on the computer, back of my mind, but always had been uh, backburnered when a new paid gig came in. Uh, but unfortunately, about seven years ago, my dad was diagnosed with dementia, and I kind of promised him that one of the books would see the light of day, and that really kind of put the put the fire to my feet to uh, to publish the, this particular book. And uh, I mean, you know, I think that in this day and age, with the internet being what it is, and Google, and you get access as an in a nonfiction to um, to archives of colleges for very little bit of money, you can actually go in and get primary source material if you want to write a history or if you want to go deep into any topic, um, then I think that a lot of people can write books now and they don't really realize it. I mean, it's, it's something that all you need is a laptop. Right. And yeah. um, you can, uh, if you don't have a publisher, you can self-publish and then sometimes your books get picked up by publishers. I mean, that's happened with me twice. And, um, you know, you can also market your book on Amazon and, get a monthly royalty statement, you know, check and, uh, and do, and it looks great. I mean, it looks like any publishing house can hire somebody to create a nice cover and off you go. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book. You have some lore on the, the seven, how many, how many eight. Ivy League colleges eight. are there? Eight. Just the eight. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> is one of them Stanford or is that, are they all East coast? They're all East coast. They're all, uh, except for Cornell, they were all before the revolution. Uh, there are other schools that have been considered or that have petitioned, but uh, technically it's a, it's an athletic conference of, of eight New England and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York schools. And is this a formal organization like the Ivy League or is it just more of a uh, custom? No, it, it actually it's an official athletic conference like the Big Ten. Uh, they have a central office that I had to deal with uh, to a great extent to get the information and permissions and things like that. Um, basically, uh, my my connection is my father had gone to Brown in Providence, which is one of the eight. And sure. uh, I used to go to the football games with him and his friends and when I was very young. And the football wasn't much to uh, to watch, but uh, the, I loved the uh, the mascot. They had a, someone in a bear suit who was just wild and uninhibited. I mm -hmm. fell in love with it to the point that I 
would tell people that that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so, like I said, the idea stuck with me. And then when it came time to choose a, a book to do, obviously, because it, my dad had kind of inspired the process, I, he also inspired the idea. So, um, I, as you said, I, I used the Internet, um, contacted a lot of friends and, and colleagues I knew who had gone to these schools, and I put together just hundreds of pages of material uh, from which I, I boiled down to, um, to the information that's in the book. Well, given the fact that we're both in Boston, let's talk a little bit about Harvard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? I, was I mean, just, the, the, the I was just there thing. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're doing like a, you said a pop-up store there? Yeah, I did a pop-up store uh, yesterday, the Harvard Business uh, Square Business Association. Uh, what used to be Hidden Sweets, the candy store on Battle Street, uh, left. And so they've been having just various people come in for an hour or two to... Uh, to sell things or promote things. And so they, they were nice enough to invite me to come by yesterday. And uh, a lot of people came in, they were all reminiscing and sharing stories and uh, sold some books. And I had some uh, some food items. I also do uh, food reviews on WBZ, as I said. So I have a lot of friends in the food business who were nice enough to donate snacks. So it was, it was a good time, it was fun. So what did you learn about Harvard? I mean, were there any good stories that uh, people recounted? Well, just you know, I, uh, I mean, the big one that everyone mentioned is is the uh, the statue of the three lies, which is there's a, a statue of it's purported to be uh, it's supposed to be John Harvard in Harvard Yard, but apparently yeah. it wasn't modeled after him, and John Harvard did not officially start the school. He just donated his library to it. It was actually started by by the clergy in Cambridge because it was meant to to train clergy, mm -hmm. and uh, and also the the statue has. Uh, the wrong date of founding. So they call it the oh. Statue of the Three Lies. So a lot of people knew that one, but uh, I, I found um, some really interesting, um, you know, some of the things I couldn't publish because I didn't want to embarrass any of the schools. But uh, sure. yeah, there was a, a, lot of, a lot of fun stories and uh, they seem to be, you know, people really seem to be enjoying them. Well, Harvard originally was, as you say, it was a, it was a Puritan congregationalist institution to train clergy and and uh, Boston Latin School in Boston was the theater school. These were small institutions. Massachusetts Hall was the first building, and that's still there. In fact, I think they just finished renovating it. Right. And um, since then, of course, it's become almost like a Vatican over there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the largest corporations in America. It's the first chartered corporation, has the largest library, that, you know, the first this, the largest that. They, they love all those things. <laughs> and uh, and what's, what's going on now at Harvard? I mean, it's... Um, they had, well, I mean, back in the day, they had a long period of sort of very, I don't want to you know, to use the term, I mean, it was very racist. And I think it was Lowell who was, um, he kept only, you know, white Protestant men. And then it opened up in the 1960s, it became more diverse. Now they have the lawsuit by, by Chinese students that uh, was saying that they were keeping out Chinese students and they found all this stuff that didn't look particularly nice. I mean, in the course of deposition, what's it like now in terms of like the student body? I mean, who goes there? How much of a percentage of Harvard is <clears throat> is legacy? How much do they? What? How many people do they welcome in? And what is generally the the I don't know the atmosphere? Well, I, I I can't speak to the exact numbers. I mean, as 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 we saw uh, recently with the uh, Varsity Blues case, you know, schools do odd odd things to make their decisions so you know whether it's uh, quotas whether it's legacies whether it's uh, affirmative action there there's so many moving parts um you know it i mean 
if taking as a snapshot the, the people walking by and the students who came in yesterday, uh, it was you know vastly diverse. Uh, there was a, a family who had just moved here from Singapore because the uh, the uh, the uh, there was a, a mother and her two daughters came in. Apparently, her husband and their father uh, was given a scholarship to do a master's at Harvard Business School. Uh, then there were some other freshmen from you know various parts of the Midwest. So it, I really met. Uh, that was one of the, the best parts about yesterday. Is I was you know being kind of on the ground there and just meeting whoever dropped by. I mean, it is self-selecting, of course, but um, you know it uh, it is the crown jewel of the American education system. Uh, for, in, for, for, for many different reasons. And um, so that, you know, that has a lot of appeal and it was great to, to see those people come by. Have they maintained their standards of excellence? Because I think that, um, not, not that this in any way detracts from it, but Harvard now gives certificates and they do this leadership conference and it's kind of like a shortcut. It gives you the Harvard logo and it gives you the Harvard imprimatur, if you will, right. without actually going. And it's probably a moneymaker for them. What's going on with that? I mean, yeah, I, they're, they're, as there are with any schools, they all have institutions, they have online courses. Harvard's involved, of course, with edX, which is the, the online uh, juggernaut. Um, so there are a lot of ways to say you're affiliated with Harvard. I mean, of course, they have their, their medical system. So uh, if you work anywhere at Mass General or Brigham and Women's, et cetera, you're affiliated. Mm -hmm. So there, there are many ways to, to, uh, to claim an affiliation. Um, but still, I, I think in terms, I mean, they, they still have among the lowest percentage of acceptance relative to applications for their undergraduate and graduate, their graduate programs. Um, you know, all, I think all, I mean, I've, I've been a teacher for 20 years. I think all school standards have changed um, in terms of, you know, what they're looking for in the student and, and, and how, uh, how supportive they want to be. But I think that's really what I loved about writing this book is just going back to, you know, the original reasons that these schools and this league were, were founded uh, was was really interesting and, and definitely shed a light on, on what they've become. And also Harvard is is building an entirely new school in Brighton for um, engineering and applied science. Right. Uh, which I think is almost ready to to be opened. Yeah, the, the, and, the, the buildings look pretty much done. I mean, that was the old WGBH campus. Yeah, right. Was, and there's a huge amount of growth in the, in that area for Harvard. Um, after a period of stalled out um, development. Now they're totally in. Um, what about the secret societies? Well, Not exactly. Skull and Bones, but also Harvard has one of those. I mean, that's yeah, interesting. Well, they have, they have their, their dining clubs, like, like you know, <laughs> a lot of these schools, you know, like what, some of the things I found were, you know, the, every school had their secret society. Most of them were all white male for quite some time. Uh, there was actually an article in Harvard Magazine this just this past issue about how they're finally becoming more diverse. Uh, it turns out that Saturday, I just happened to be in New Haven on the Yale campus, and we we were walking around, and there was this single floor building, like a, a red stucco with very small windows, no markings. And I looked on the campus map, and there was a patch of grass there. There was no building, <laughs> so I have a feeling it was Skull and Bones, but you know, only uh, <laughs> well, Skull and Bones actually that that one has been that's they have the crypt, right? Yeah, which uh, is pretty famous, and you know, it kind of became a national story. I think in two thousand and four, when it turned out that um, both uh, George W. Bush, Bush and right. John Kerry had been Skull Bonesmen, you know, right. so it was all this kind of like 
secret conspiracy, like the, that these guys ruled the country and that yeah, one. Yeah, Illuminati type thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting exactly. that there was not even a building <laughs> on the map. It was just as if there were no building there. <laughs> no, it's interesting. And there's all the legend that they have the uh, the skull and the bones of Geronimo and this kind of stuff. And they're involved with some pretty weird um, rituals. I don't know. Who knows? We can't know. It's secret, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Are they really true to those secrets? I mean, is this something that's really sealed off? Well, it seems I, I remember my, my grandfather was a Mason and mm -hmm. he always told me that that if 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 he knew he were going to die, he would teach me the handshake, but not until. Oh, I, boy. Unfortunately, I was not with him at the very end. So that that's a secret I, I'll, I won't I at least won't know from him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and these things do tend to become networks for people in business and you know, they help each other out. I mean, it's there's, there's an element of fraternity to it that I suppose is only natural. And when you're dealing with the Ivy League, that's a top of the, you know, the cream of the crop in terms of um, positions nationally. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they, they do have that kind of influence, I would think. Yeah, we think and, so. And they probably interact with each other to a certain degree. Uh, are there these groups at, like, um, William & Mary and at the other Ivy Leagues or... William Mary actually isn't. Uh, oh, it's, it's not. Kind of, oh. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's just that it wasn't. It isn't the oldest eight schools, uh, which I think a lot of people think it was. Uh, like I said, Cornell is actually younger than the country. All of the other seven were are pre-colonial, or they call the colonial colleges. But William and Mary, Rutgers, there are actually a number of other schools that were founded before Cornell that are not included. So the, mm -hmm. the most interesting thing is kind of. Um, when I contacted the schools and, and looked through their history, as you were mentioning before, trying to find out why they were chosen. Uh, you know, Harvard and Yale were among the first. Penn was the first university. Uh, but a lot of them, I got a lot of different theories about why, why those eight in particular. Especially, I mean, Cornell is geographically an outlier. Uh, it's not, you know, it's, um, it's up in Ithaca. Um, you know, Princeton is, is rural, but it was close to Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, Cornell was. I, I got the most interesting theories about why they were why they were included when so many schools, like you said, Stanford, Chicago, Duke, have applied or expressed interest. Um, I think it just was a lot of these schools had had established their own athletic rivalries, and so it just kind of made sense to to lump them into a division together. I see. So it really comes down to the athletic league. That's really interesting, and I think that for secret societies, for some reason. Colgate is a big secret college, even though it's not in the Ivy League. So it's right. not necessarily exclusive to the no, Ivy League. No, no. That idea of the secrets, but a lot of the, you know, like I said, the first all male, the first all this, you know, were, were at these schools and they, they like to tout those, uh, those statistics. So what can you tell us in terms of like some funny stuff that you, you uncovered um, in, in the colleges? Um, the chicken nugget was invented at Cornell. That was interesting. That was interesting. Um, Did they have a patent on it? I, well, I, a, a prof, yeah, a professor there uh, cre created it. Um, let's see, the, the, you know, like a, so many like the goofy traditions, like at Penn, they throw toast on the football field because one of the fight songs says, here's a toast to Penn, and everyone throws toast. Um, <laughs> at Cornell, they throw fish on the ice when they're playing Harvard. Uh, Dartmouth. Their official mascot was a Native American, but that's, of course, you know, being been phased out. So now it's a battle between the unofficial moose and Keggy the keg, which, of course, I couldn't mention in the book because mm. I didn't want to, you know, 
frustrate or upset anybody. Um, yeah, right, right. They want to get away from that image. Yeah, yeah. So just, you know, and you hear about, like, a, a, just a lot of the things that, that they claim is their own. Obviously, the famous alumni, the famous alumni who didn't graduate, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg from, mm. from Harvard, Candace Bergen from Penn, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Bill Gates, so, I think, from Harvard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't need to go. I don't need to graduate Harvard. I just need to go for a year or two and make the well, contact. I'm, I'm, I'm so busy, you know, with this thing called Facebook that I don't have time. Right. Yeah, I don't have to so, go to classes. So, you know, just uh, but it was it was a lot of fun to write. Um, and, you know, as I said, it was um, it was I, I really felt it was a nice tribute to, to my dad. He, you know, he passed before the book came out. But I, uh, I wrapped up the first edition and brought it up to him at, at the at his at the at the cemetery and and gave it to him, which was a, an emotional day. But yeah, uh, it really kind of, you know, it really made it worthwhile. Self-publishing was, you know, it's, it's it can be complicated. I've actually do, been doing some presentations about my process and what I learned. Um, it was it was frustrating at times, but just being able to kind of keep that promise and you know and have a published book, it, it's it's kind of fun. It's, oh, nice it's amazing! It's it's something that's it's a milestone. It's uh it's forever. You know, when you have a published book, are you uh, working on an, on a on a sequel now or an a second edition? Um, I you know I have so much material. I I could do a volume two. Uh, someone suggested that I do the Seven Sisters, which like the 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 women's colleges that yes. were. Somewhere. Like Radcliffe, which was affiliated with Harvard, of course, et cetera. Uh, so, and then the other interesting thing is that uh, since it's been published, a number of people have just dropped out of the blue and said, "Hey, um, I'm working on a book. Do you want to edit it? Do you want to co-write with me?" So it's really opened up some great opportunities. And then, of course, I'm hoping to go. I was at Harvard yesterday. I'm hoping to go visit the schools and and uh, and connect with the alumni and you know sell some more books. Wouldn't be a bad thing either. No, I mean, that's a great way to promote it. And doing a book opens up all kinds of opportunities. It's like the ultimate calling card. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been a lot of fun being able to, you know, go to a store and drop one off. And, and just even if even if they don't consign it or, or sell it, you know, they're, they're showing it to people. They're telling people. Oh, yeah. You never know where it's going to end up. Get into the libraries, too. Yeah, I've been working on that. All right, Matt. So listen, let people know how they can get a copy of the book and any other information about you you'd like to impart. Okay, here's the book. Uh, it's available exclusively for now at lionstigersbulldogs.com. And uh, if anyone on that website, people also can uh, win a copy. There's a trivia contest. And um, if you have a great story about your experiences or someone you know, there, there's a page on the website that you can share those. And who knows, maybe your story will, will make volume two or volume three or whatever, whatever comes down the line. Excellent. All right, Matt Robinson. Listen, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you, Charles. It's great to, great to work with you. Thank All right. You. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Matt. So I'll send you a, the YouTube once it's up. Fabulous. And, and you, you, said, you said you can just go on Amazon. I'll have to look yeah, into that. Check that out. You can open an account at Amazon and post and put your books in, up there. Okay. All right. So, thanks a lot. Thank you, Charles. Talk Thank to you soon. Yeah, okay. Bye-bye.